Chapter 15 of The Steel Hammer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Beauvais. The Steel Hammer by Louis Albach. Translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. Chapter 15 The Indictment Drawn Up. The next day, however, a letter from the Palais de Justice prevented their departure. Monsieur de Monterey was desired to present himself during the day in the office of a certain juge d'instruction. Though this summons had not been exactly foreseen, it was so natural that Gabrielle did not feel alarmed by it. Gaston merely seemed annoyed at the delay. "'I have nothing to tell,' he cried. "'All I can do is to repeat that I know nothing.' you saw him however at supper getting drunk said gabrielle true when a man is drunk he can fall into any kind of snare it was at luncheon at table that gaston spoke thus and to get over his annoyance he did the same thing he had done on the day that he took roger for a walk he drank more wine than usual exciting himself till he left the table almost tipsy but having become under the influence of liquor heroic and generous he said to gabrielle you are right i shall make a great point of his drunkenness the beast no doubt threatened his cousin perhaps the poor upholsterer asked him to lend him some money and he refused him brutally i shall tell the juge d'instruction that that is what i think ma foi he wasn't interesting enough to make much fuss about he was a great red impudent greedy selfish ugly countryman ah if you had only seen him yourself my dear gabrielle had seen him she had seen him more horrible than he had looked when gaston saw him stark swollen stretched out on a table waiting for the scalpel hideous threatening and in a state of putrefaction and she compared that dreadful vision not with her husband's delicate features but with the unknown face seen only in imagination of jean mortier the loving husband of that little woman so intelligent so full of tender pity and she felt herself sympathizing with her husband's aversion for the victim and all her pity going out toward the murderer admitting that jean mortier were really the man yes this was the result of having seen this peasant hercules of course the upholsterer had been threatened challenged and struck first that was all clear in self-defense he had struck back he had not been an intentional murderer the circumstance of the robbery did not present itself to gabrielle's imagination at the moment she would probably remember it later and in the casuistry of her faith she would find some way to explain the circumstance so as to find in it an extenuation instead of an aggravation of the crime tell all that to the juge d'instruction she said finding in her husband's words more things than he had ever thought of never fear said gaston with self-importance we must try to save the poor fellow ah i should be delighted to do so gaston's echo of that ah was so genuine so earnest that it penetrated into madame de monterey's soul and might have aroused her stifled doubts but that monsieur de monterey was in one of his enthusiastic moods a little overexcited perhaps and this explained his ardor yes gabrielle went on it would indeed be a good action we must save him for his own sake for he is not really a bad man and for his wife and for his little child gaston must have found his wife very persuasive there were tears in his eyes 
how good you are he murmured much moved you see she resumed there will be sorrow enough in that poor household to punish the crime committed without the intervention of human punishment and she added the counterpart of a late remark of gaston's ah if you had only seen his wife is she pretty asked the handsome de monterey laughing she has great courage she has resolution enough to bring the murderer to repentance if she ever comes to the belief that her husband is the murderer i pained her because i could not sufficiently believe in her husband's innocence i want to repair that wrong oh gaston let us save him but it does not depend on us dear i know it but among the witnesses who will testify and there are not many you from your position in the world will be one of the most important the notary in whose office the quarrel commenced may be able to corroborate you he may have noticed the ferocity of that wild beast of a man ah he was the one who might have been a murderer for a few thousand franc notes by degrees this good woman was working herself up to the point of excusing the murderer and almost of making out that there had been no great harm in the crime so dreadful to her was the remembrance of what she had seen of the murdered man gaston loudly professed an entire agreement with his wife and went off to wait upon the juge d'instruction at the last minute of this tete-a-tete at the very moment of his departure gabrielle indeed was a little disquieted by the self-confidence of her husband a confidence however with which she had inspired him he went off to the fight with a boastful kind of swagger as if he were going utterly to annihilate the man who had been found dead gabrielle became afraid that he might go too far that he might push his testimony in the prisoner's favor into paradox and though she experienced none of the agonies that had been now laid at rest she was anxious all the time that her husband was away he reassured her as soon as she saw him return by the triumphant gleam in his eyes and by his bearing he had found that the juge d'instruction was an old schoolfellow a man he knew also at the club a charming man who had understood him at the first word and who had been much struck by what he said of the ignoble appearance of pierre mortier the magistrate had even gone so far as to confess his own disgust at the sight of the victim he had noted down carefully all the details given him by monsieur de monterey ma foi cried gaston boyishly when he had told all about his visit to the juge d'instruction i really believe the acquittal of that good fellow is now certain ah replied madame de monterey sadly it is not sure i can only hope we may save his head this reflection made gaston turn pale maybe his vanity was hurt at the idea that he might fail to do more than save his protege from the guillotine his head his head he muttered as if frightened raising his hand to his own neck we must get him a good lawyer cried gabrielle eagerly that is no business of ours yes it is if we wish to save him we have no right to mix ourselves up too much in such an affair everybody has a right to be charitable of course but we must not compromise ourselves compromise ourselves cried gabrielle with a start i might seem to have borne false witness said gaston alarmed if i appeared to wish to save him at any price believe me we must be prudent very prudent very prudent gaston de monterey exhorting any one to prudence was something unheard of up to that day but the occasion was too serious to make it a laughing matter on the contrary gabrielle became somewhat thoughtful 
instinctively she felt that his commiseration for the prisoner was excessive and not altogether natural her husband took advantage of her silence to go to his own chamber as he went out of the salon where this conversation had taken place he knocked himself so awkwardly and so violently against the door that his wife said to herself with horror that his semi-intoxication at luncheon had been increased by the open air but from a vague odor that floated after he left the room around her and which came from gaston's breath she began to understand the situation and said to herself that her husband when he left the juge d'instruction must have gone into some cafe and added a fresh and most imprudent dose of alcohol to the wine that had already put his brain into a state of commotion she could no longer struggle against the fact that she was getting rid of one vice by letting in another i will cure him of this later sighed she when we can get away and when this affair is over why did she sigh so deeply was she so terribly afraid of this sudden propensity of gaston's a propensity to drink and to excite his brain or was it that the fatal stone of sisyphus had fallen back upon her that stone that she so dreaded that she thought she had surely pushed out of her path was she forever to be associated by inexorable fate with this affair could she only be set free when the doom of jean mortier should be determined why then did she dread this unhappy man's condemnation as if it were a misfortune that threatened herself why was it that the less uncertainty she felt as to his guilt the more sadness seemed to settle down upon her end of chapter fifteen recording by diana beauvais